0: Amen. How are we doing, Elevate? We good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys look great today. In fact, look at the person sitting next to you and tell them they look great. Yeah. yeah, they look much better than they actually are, right? Yeah, tell them that. They look much better than they actually are. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you are joining us today today. Uh, look, if, if you've got your own Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to John, John chapter 11. Uh, I'm going to do try to do a short study today from uh, John chapter 11, and really we're going to talk about an important story. Uh, really, this story is important because this is the start to Easter week. This is the start uh, to Holy Week, and so uh, as you're maybe turning there, let me start off by asking you guys, how many of y'all like movies? Anybody here You like movies. A couple people like movies. Man, I I love some movies. I'm excited about that new Avengers movie coming out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're excited, a couple people. So uh, I know that up in New York, some of the theaters have actually already sold out of tickets uh, up there. And so uh, some people who pre-bought, uh, their tickets are saying, hey, you know what, I, I might need to sell my ticket. Maybe somebody else wants to go see it a little, little more than I do. And so I was actually kind of looking on eBay, and if you want to buy nine tickets uh, to a theater up in, uh, up in New York, you can get nine tickets for you and your closest friends for $25,000. That's a starting bid, okay? Uh, that's a starting bid. And so if you happen to win this auction, you, uh, you get free shipping, so that's good. Uh, and so that'll help you out a little bit. But $25,000, y'all heard that right, $25,000. How many of y'all are like, I don't like it that much. I mean, you know what I mean? I'll just wait till it comes out on Redbox, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 like, uh, I like movies, but not that much. I remember January, we took Sadie Kate to the movies with some of her friends. It was her birthday, we wanted to go to the movies. And so her friends like wanted popcorn, they wanted Cokes, they wanted candy. And so they were getting everything plus the tickets. And the lady at the register is just ringing us up like we were at Kroger, you know, boop boop, just a whole bunch of stuff, and I noticed she kept smiling, kept smiling, big, boop, she kept smiling more and more, and then she told us how much it was going to cost, and I about had a heart attack, you know, and I looked at Sadie Kate, and I told her she better get some scholarships, because they're winning her college fund, you know what I mean, so expensive, but luckily they had a bank right down the road, you could go take out a second mortgage, and so uh, that was great, but anybody, you like movies, I like movies, how many of y'all have ever seen an older movie, an older movie called Wedding Crashers, anybody ever seen that, y'all, that's a rated R movie, you're not supposed to raise your hand about that. <laughs> That's bad. Y'all need to repent. Bad movie, but yeah, rated R. So in this chapter, in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus isn't crashing a wedding. Jesus is actually crashing a funeral. See, in John chapter 11, a guy by the name of Lazarus dies, and Lazarus and Jesus, they were really good friends. They were real close friends, and Lazarus gets very 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 sick and so Mary and Martha who were Lazarus's sisters they actually send a letter to Jesus to tell him, "Hey, Lazarus is sick." This is before cell phones, this is before text messages, this is before Facebook where you could just tag somebody. And so they send a letter by way of a messenger, not like Facebook Messenger. Again, this is an actual, this is an actual document and they're like, "Hey Jesus, you need to come back soon. We know that you're already coming back to Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, we know you're coming in, but you need to come back soon. You need to come back now. In fact, you need to come back now because Lazarus, the one that you love, is sick. And you can come and you can heal him just like you've healed all these other people. But you've got to get here. You've got to get here soon. So they send this letter to Jesus. Jesus gets the letter. Jesus reads the letter. And you know what Jesus does? Nothing. Jesus does nothing. Nothing. Jesus waits, and Lazarus actually dies. He waits. Then, and only then, does Jesus begin to make his way towards Jerusalem, towards his betrayal, towards his trial, towards the cross, and towards his eventual execution. And so let's look at what happens in John chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, remember that because that's important. Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again. She's like, Jesus, I know he's going to rise again. I know at the end time when the resurrection happened, I know he's going to rise again. But what's that got to do with the frustration I'm feeling right now? What has that got to do with the mourning that I'm in right now? What does that have to do with the grieving that I'm in right now? What does that have to do with my lack of hope right now? How does that help me? And so look at verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, you need to understand that Jesus operated with a pattern. He had a pattern of behavior. What Jesus would do is that he would proclaim stuff, he would declare stuff, then he would actually demonstrate it. It was declaration, then it was demonstration, declaration, demonstration. Now, a lot, a lot of times, some of us try to live our life that way. We try to declare things, and then when we go to demonstrate it, you know, we fail pretty miserably. I was scrolling on Facebook just the other day, and, uh, man, this guy was saying that he could hit a golf ball out of his best friend's mouth. Uh, and so the guy, this friend, there had to have been alcohol involved. That's the only reason I can see this happening. But this guy, he lays down. He grabs a golf tee. He puts the golf tee in his mouth. He gets a golf ball. He puts the golf ball on the golf tee, and that guy gets that golf club, and he gets his swing ready. Y'all know that's what you got to do, and you get to do it. And then he, he goes, and, he, you know, can y'all, get, y'all bet what well, y'all know what's about to happen, don't you? Man, he missed that golf ball, hit his friend in the head, blood, guts, and eyeball went everywhere. I think that was the eyeball, not the golf ball. I mean, I saw something move, but I don't know what it was. Man, it was terrible. Again, but he declared something, and then he wasn't able to back it up. And there are times in our life where all of us do that, but not Jesus. Jesus made incredible declarations, but he always backed them up with unbelievable demonstrations he, he, he never he never had a vain boast he was always able to do the things he said he could do so Jesus approaches the tomb of Lazarus and watch what happens in verse 43 the Bible says this when he said this Jesus called in a loud voice Lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is an unbelievable miracle. This is an unbelievable event. Don't nobody know anybody who could do something like this. If you had a friend, again, who could raise the dead, it would shock you. But that's what Jesus does. So why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus start out Easter week, Passover week, or Holy week? Why does he start off with raising his friend from the dead? The answer is Jesus is demonstrating that he has ultimate authority over everything that could possibly come against us, including death. This is Jesus proclaiming, you know what, I'm not a political leader, I'm not a cultural leader, I'm not trying to make a comment about what needs to change in this world. I'm actually here to change this world. I am here to win this world. I am here to restore hope to this world. And what you need to be aware of is that this miracle, It's this miracle that caused the religious leaders and the authorities to put into action a plan that would ultimately bring about Jesus' death. But why? Why was it this miracle? Why was it this miracle that caused them to do this? The answer is because this miracle proves that Jesus was the manifestation of real hope. And See, maybe you're here today, and you don't believe that Jesus is the source of real hope. Hope. Man, if that's you, I'm glad that you're here, but can we all at least agree that life has, has just this un, uncanny ability just to suck the life right out of us? Can we, can, we all, can we all agree with that things can be going great? Does anybody know things can be going great and then out of nowhere, man, it's like somebody turns on the vacuum cleaner and just sucks all the hope out of your life. Anybody know what I'm what I'm talking about, I remember when I was in high school, man, I, there was this girl that I was trying to impress. And if you've been to Elevate uh, before, you've heard me talk about my car I had when I was in high school. Man, I love that car. It was a Pontiac Grand Prix GTP. Man, it was black and beautiful. Man, it had tinted windows, had chrome Chrome wheels. It had leather seats. It had butt warmers. You know, it had a heads up display. It was supercharged. I had put Kicker Competition 12s in my trunk so that when I rolled around listening to my music, it sounded like somebody was in my trunk trying to break out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I'd be listening to Snoop and Dre. You know, one, two, three, into the folk. I'm gonna I'm about, to, I'm thinking about it. anyway. but man, I, I would be rolling, man. And I remember I'm driving with this girl. I'm trying to impress her. I got my lean on. What's up, girl? You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to impress her. And so we come. Around the curve, right there at Waterworks uh, in in Jackson, and I got a flat tire. You say, "Hey, you know I got a flat tire because I was rolling like this." And so I was trying to impress the girl. I'm kind of embarrassed about this. And so we pull over, and she's like, "Hey, you want me to call somebody to take care of this?" Well, I'm a man, you know. I was like, "You don't need nobody." Girl, I got this. You know, I want to show her how amazing I am, right? But the thing is, I didn't, I didn't have a dad when I was growing up. Ain't nobody ever showed me how to change no tire. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And so uh, I said, no, girl, I, I got this. I got this. And so I'm like, all right, so where, where's the spare tire? Where's the jack? I got to have those. And so I know where those are. They're in the trunk, Right. But remember, I got those cool Kicker Competition 12s in the back of my trunk. And so I'm like, oh, man, I ain't going to be So I pull up the floorboard. I can't really get the stuff out. So I'm having to shift everything. Finally, after a while, you know, I can see her looking, you know, what's going on? And so I finally get everything out. I walk over to the side where the flat tire is. I give her the nod like I'm about to handle this. And I still don't know what I'm doing. Finally get the, the lug nuts loose on that tire, you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I, need, I know I need to get the car up in the air. So I put that jack under there, and I do the crank, and I get that scissor jack going up. The car gets up in the air. And you know what happens as soon as the car gets up in the air? The car, the car moved because I hadn't pressed the emergency brake. And when it moved, it bent the jack, and it landed on the spare tire. And the girl's still in the car. And so she's like, oh! And so she jumps out and she's like, I'm going to call my dad. I'm going to call my dad to come and take care of this. And so I hung my head in despair and thought, great, now her dad's going to think I'm a loser. And he did. And so he comes and he fixes the tire. And then I rode home by myself and I watched as the girl drove home with her father into the sunset. Everybody say, oh, <laughs> we never had a second date. <laughs> we never. Again, the hope of a second date was just sucked right out of that. And that's how life is sometimes. Life has this ability, this crazy ability just to suck the hope out of our lives. It's it's, it's crazy. It It really does. And so maybe you know that, because maybe at work you keep hoping you're going to get promoted, but when the promotion becomes available, you keep getting passed over, and you think, man, what is going on? Is this just a hopeless situation? Maybe you're here today, and it's your teenager, your 20-something-year-old, and, man, they're just going sideways, doing all sorts of crazy things. And every time you look at them, make those choices, you think, man, is this just a hopeless situation? Because every time you try to help them, it seems to push them further and further and further away. Maybe it's your finances man and as soon as you get to the point where you feel like you got a little breathing room it's like somebody comes and throws a tire of debt and weight on you and you feel like again you're drowning in your debt or maybe it's your marriage, maybe you said some things, you did some things, they said some things, they did some things and it just seems hopeless life again has this crazy way of sucking the hope out of all of us, our world wants to suck the, the hope out of your life They do, I'm serious. Look at our world. Man, there's racial tensions, terrorisms, teen suicide, escalation of, gun, of, of crime, gun violence, school shootings, broken families, divisions, national debt, family debt, student debt, spiritual debt, an epidemic of depression, anxiety, and addiction. I could go on and on and on and on. And the bad news is all of that bad news is piped into our pockets 24-7 through our smartphones and devices. The world wants to suck the hope right out of you. I'm telling you, we live in a world that is just, this, just full of despair and discouragement. So could it be that what Jesus is saying to Martha in this passage is exactly what you and I need to hear this Easter? Well, what is it that Jesus is really trying to say? What is he trying to get across here? It has to do with hope with real hope, not a sentimental hope, not a hope that fades, not a not a hope that you might read on a, call, a Hallmark card. This is a hope that actually works. This is a real hope, a hope that works on Monday. And so let me show you, let me show you three ideas during the rest of the time that we have together. If you want to find real hope, here are three things that you need to do. Keep a note, you want to write them down to find real hope. You need to show up even when you don't want to. You need to show up when you don't want to. Think about it. Martha comes to Jesus even though she's discouraged. Martha comes to Jesus even though she is depressed. I want you to see that Martha didn't let the bad things that had happened in her life or the bad thing that was happening in her life right now, she didn't let that bad thing keep her from getting to Jesus. Now, let me ask you, how close to Jesus should we be? Pretty close, Robert. Yeah, you're right. We should be pretty close to Jesus. And so what if I could tell you exactly where Jesus was going to be? If I could tell you exactly where Jesus was going to be, would you go there? If I could tell you what room Jesus was going to be in, would you go there? If I could tell you where Jesus was going to be next week, would you rearrange your schedule and make sure that you were there so that you could have contact with the most influential leader our world has ever known? Would you? Because the truth of the matter is, I do know exactly where Jesus is going to show up. I know his exact schedule because he's given it to us. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. These are Jesus' words. and He says, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. See, listen to me, folks. When you and I show up in God's name, when we show up and when we love God and when we love each other, you need to understand that Jesus is here. He's here. He's here. And It makes me so sad the amount of people who have sacrificed their family on the altar of God hunting or on the altar of Little League with all these scandals that are going on with all these celebrities in our nation right now who are getting in trouble for trying to bribe their child into these big prestigious schools. I saw somebody that posted something on Facebook that said, as a parent, my priority is not to make sure my child gets into Harvard. It's to make sure my child gets into heaven. Amen. Anybody like that idea? You like that idea? Some people are like, yeah, I think so. But the truth of the matter is when you look around at the world, there aren't a whole lot of parents who live their life as if that's a reality. Because so many parents are trying to make sure they get their kid uh, in the NFL. They're trying to make sure they get their, in, their kid in the, in the major leagues. Look, your kid ain't that good. They're not. They can't hit the curveball. It, it just ain't happening. It, it ain't happening. We need to do everything we can to get our kids to Jesus. That's what we, we need to be doing. And I promise you, on a Sunday morning when we show up in the name of God and when we show up loving God and loving each other, He is here. We need to do everything we can to get here. And the thing is, you don't have to show up perfect every Sunday. You don't. Look at me. I ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. You don't have to show up perfect every Sunday to come. Think about Martha. She shows up and she's not perfect. She's got this passive-aggressive attitude, right? Well, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died, right? That's what she does. She doesn't show up perfect. And man, that's good news because let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard to show up to church on Sunday. Anybody know and sometimes it's hard to show up, like, even with a good attitude. You, you know, how many of y'all own kids? You picked up a couple of those kids. You own some children. Man, I, if you've got kids, it is hard to show up to church and hard to show up with, with a good attitude. Man, one spouse always gets in the car early, right? They're like, "Oh, we we'll say we we'll hurry up in there. We're gonna miss the first song. I don't. Even, I've never even heard them sing a first song. I wonder if they do a first song. What are they doing at first get there? And then the other parents in the bathroom with the brush, brushing out all them tangles, saying, "Well, if somebody was in here helping me get the kids ready, we wouldn't be late every week. You might know what I'm about. And then, like, so you finally get ready, you start walking out the door, and one of your kids is taking their shoes off. You're like, "You just—I don't know where my shoes are. You just had them on. Where are your shoes? So you finally get their shoes on, you get them in the car, then you realize you left one of the kids. So you got to go back in, and by the time you go back in, you what you were like, man, I was gone for two seconds. I got mud all over their face. So mom's in the car, looking at her hand, cleaning the kids, trying to get them ready for church. You might know what I'm talking about. You get in the car, three people cut you off on the way here. You're like, mm. right, right. And then when you get in the children's check-in, you're trying to check those kids in. The negotiations begin because your kids like, I don't want to go. I don't want. You're like, please. I need a break, please. I'll do any. I'll take you to go get El Cenprero. I'll take you to get whatever you want. A pony? You want a 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra? It's yours. Just go. That's what I just. I just need you to go. And then you check them in, and you're supposed to walk in and be like, "I love you, love." (laughs) Like puppies and unicorns. Everything's good, right? If you got kids, you know, it's hard to show up, and it's hard to show up sometimes. With a good attitude. It's hard to show up perfect. Look, God doesn't need you to show up to church perfect. He needs you to show up because he's perfect. He don't need you to show up perfect. He needs you to show up because he's perfect. He's perfect. And so for some people, it doesn't have anything to do with their kids, right? For some people in the room, it it has to do with kidnapping, Like your mom and dad said, you are going to church today. They made you come, and they were like, Mom, I don't want to do it. They were like, I will throw that Xbox in the trash. You'll never play Fortnite again in your life. You're like, okay, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I mean, again, again, we just got to show up. If if, if you're here today, I just want to encourage you to open up your heart to the fact that Jesus is alive. And he's told us where he will be. He will be where two or three gather in his name. Where we're worshiping him, where we're loving each other. Man, it's important for us to show up, folks, even when we don't want to. But you know what? We can show up even when we don't want to and still not walk in real hope. So there's some other stuff that we gotta do. Not only do we have to show up when we don't want to, but the second thing that I want you to see, we gotta we gotta look up to keep ourselves encouraged. we got to look up to keep ourselves encouraged. Again, Martha comes with this, uh, this, she doesn't come with the best attitude, right? But she does come at least with a little bit of hope. Just a tiny bit of hope. Look at verse 24. The Bible says that Martha answers him and says, I know he will rise. Again, just, just a little bit of hope. And folks, what I want you to know today is that just a little bit of hope just a tiny bit of hope will go such a long way. A, a tiny bit of hope can do great things. This is a true story. I remember when Amanda, when we were having our first kid, Brianna Grace, and so I remember Amanda's pregnant, and like her feet and her ankles and her just her everything, her toes and all that swelled up. In pregnant people, you, or, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so she was like, will you rub my feet? And I was like. I said, all right, I love you, girl. And so I, I, I got just a little bit of that lotion to put on my hands, you know, and I was rubbing them feet, and she's like, oh, that feels so nice. And I was rubbing her feet. I was like, girl, I love you. I love you. I, I love you, girl. I love you. And so after I'd rubbed her feet for a little while, she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get in the shower and relax just a little bit. And I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a good night. You know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> And so she goes back into the bathtub and, and, and turns the water on. I hear the water come on. And like a minute later, I heard what sounded like a tree fall through our bathroom. I run in there. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Amanda's laid out on the floor. And all, that little bit of lotion that I had put on her foot, when she got in that wet tub, she fell out. Man, I'm telling you, a little bit, just a little bit of lotion did, did something crazy. But a little bit of hope... A little bit of hope, man, will do unbelievable things in your life. And we need to realize that hope is a discipline. Hope is a choice. Hope is a lifestyle. It is a sign of spiritual maturity, and it'll do great things for you. Hope motivates us to to make a bounce back because we realize it's not about what happened to us. It's about what can happen in us. Hope initiates. I'm telling you, it sets you free to dream and think about the possibilities. Hope says there are still great ideas and great opportunities in your life. God is not done with you, and it activates. Hope is like the fuel. It's what sets our dreams into motion, and without hope, you'll never get off the couch and become who God wants you to be. A little bit of hope will go a long way. So hope is a discipline. It's a choice. It's an attitude, but ultimately... Ultimately, hope is so much more than a concept. It's so much more than this tool that's available to you and me. Hope is a person. Real hope is Jesus Christ. And unless hope goes beyond an attitude and an action and a choice, unless it rises to the level of Jesus being your hope. You'll never walk in real hope because the only thing that will hold you and I together in unimaginable situations and circumstances is knowing that Jesus Christ is for you, knowing that he is not forsaking you, knowing that he will never leave you, knowing that he loves you. I'm telling you, hope is a person. Real hope is Jesus. So if you want to find real hope, you show up When you don't want to, you look up to keep yourselves encouraged. And the third thing that I want you to see real quickly, the third thing that you do is you open up if you want to experience the miraculous. You open up if you want to experience the miraculous. See, folks, this is one of my favorite stories in all of God's Word. It really is. Lazarus has died. He's died, and Mary and Martha sent for Jesus, but Jesus didn't come, and Lazarus dies, and he is buried. Well, Martha gives Jesus a hard time. You should have been here. My brother wouldn't have died if you'd have been here, Jesus. And look at what Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 23. He looks at her and he says, your brother will rise again. Well, what's interesting in this story, and you can read the entire thing in context, if you'll just take your Bible home with you and look at John chapter 11. What's interesting is that Martha and Mary both, have this this crazy attitude. You should have been here, Jesus. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. My brother wouldn't have died. And so after talking with both of them, Jesus asks a question in verse 34. He looks at them and he says, where have you laid him? Basically what Jesus says in this moment is, take me to the tomb. Now I can't help but think that Martha in this moment That Martha in this moment thought, Jesus, you don't want to see Lazarus right now. He's been dead for four days. I'm serious. Look at verse 39. Look at what Martha says. So Jesus says, they get there. Jesus says, take away the stone. And look at what Martha says. But Lord, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. Oh, there's a bad odor. He'd been in there four days. Everybody say, stinketh. That's what the King James said. He's stinking. He'd been in there. He stank. Oh, he he she's thinking, man, he'd been in there four days, Jesus. Man Rigor mortis has set in, he started to swell, flies have landed on him and laid eggs and they've hatched and now maggots are eating his flesh, I mean he stinks, it's nasty, Jesus you don't want to go in there, it's real bad, you don't want to go there and Jesus just says show me, no Jesus you don't want to go there and Jesus says show me, you don't want to go there Jesus and Jesus says that's exactly where I want to go and don't miss this. Here's the thing about each and every one of us in this room is that a lot of times each and every one of us have these nasty, ugly places in our life where we let sin live and sin dwell. And we think, Jesus, you don't want to go to that area in my life. Jesus, you don't want to go to that bad place. You don't want to be associated with this. But Jesus says... Take me to that place because he is the resurrection and the life. If you want to see change in those areas that seem hopeless in your life, you better take Jesus there. You better. You say, my marriage seems dead. Take Jesus there. I don't know what's going on in my life. Get Jesus there. All those hopeless situations, get Jesus there. Look at what happens in verse 40. This is amazing. Jesus looks at him, and he says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Jesus basically says, look, I've told you I'm up to something bigger than you can imagine. Jesus is saying to Martha, open your eyes. I've got something big planned here. Martha's problem was that she constantly wanted to tell God how bad things were. And Jesus is like, I just want to show you how good I am. She wanted, to show, she wanted to show him how bad things were. And Jesus is like, I just want to show you how good I am. Take me to that place. Martha, you won't be able to experience how good I am unless you take me there open your eyes the glory of god is right in front of you is what jesus said martha was standing next to the answer to all of her problems but she didn't see it because she wouldn't open up jesus was saying open your eyes and i know in a room like this that there are some people who are going through some real difficult things I don't want to minimize any of that. But today I'm here to tell you to open your eyes. Open up. Because Jesus is here today. The answer to your dilemma, the answer to your problem is here. Jesus told us where he would be. He'll be where two or three are gathered in his name. He is here. Open your eyes. And if Jesus can raise this dead man to life if jesus himself can raise from the dead you need to understand that there is nothing too difficult in your life for him to resurrect i'm telling you death didn't stop jesus satan tried to kill jesus Satan thought he had won when Jesus was buried. Hell had a party that lasted three days. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, walked right up to the devil, throat punched him and said, hey, I'm alive forevermore. I'm telling you, you got to open up. Open your eyes to see that God's got a plan. He's for you. He's working on something big, and if it's not good, he's not done. you got to open up if you want to experience the miraculous. Again, I can't help but think that there are some people in this room, you're looking for real hope. You didn't come to church looking for it, but in life, if you were to be really honest, that's what you're looking for desperately, real hope, because this world we live in has just sucked the hope right out of your life situations and circumstances have just drained you well I believe the reason why Jesus has you here today is so that you can see him so that you can open up to him my prayers that you find him so you've shown up but my prayers that you take the next step that you look up and that you open up to him my prayer is that you find Jesus and that he does more for you than you could possibly imagine think about Martha Martha wasn't expecting Jesus to rise to raise her son, to raise her brother from the dead right there. But she got Jesus close to the situation. She wasn't expecting her brother to rise to life that day. But she got close to Jesus. She opened herself up to Jesus. My prayer is that each and every person here would open yourself up to Jesus because Jesus is hope real hope and hope is alive because Jesus is risen so with every head bowed and every eye closed I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life but I wonder today if there's some people here today who are going through some difficult things and you say pastor pray for me that my hope would be restored If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray for these who have raised their hands, that they would find you today and that you would do great things. Because they're trusting in you, Father, I pray that you would reward them, that they would see exactly how good you are. Father, as we continue to pray, though, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But I wonder today if there's somebody here who walked in And just life has got you so down. You you just feel hopeless. You feel unloved. Man, God brought you here today so that you could meet Jesus. He is here. He's here. He died for you. And He rose for you so that you could live forever, so that you could have real hope. And so if you're here today and you know you need to be saved, you know you need to give your heart and your life to him, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you pray this prayer. Father, please forgive me for all of my sins. I pray, Father, that you would mold me into a new person. Not a better version of the old me, but a new person. person that you want me to be. Today, Father, I confess you as Lord, you as Savior, and I commit my life to you. Empower me with your Holy Spirit to live for you. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if there's somebody here who prayed to receive Christ, you prayed to give your life to him. If you'll do me a favor, again, nobody's looking around, but would you just raise your hands so that I can know God is moving? Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for new life. That's what Easter's about—new life. Father, I'm thankful that you not only rose up out of the grave, but Father, that you are alive in our hearts and lives today. Father, thank you for the dead becoming alive today. Thank you for new life. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. You are the only one worthy of our worship. And I pray that you're pleased. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.